Welcome to the Choosing to Stay podcast. We're your hosts, Hallie Roderick and Stephanie Hamby, certified relationship and recovery coaches. We specialize in supporting couples who are healing from infidelity and betrayal. We invite you to join us each week as we explore the challenges and joys of the recovery journey for couples who are choosing to stay in a relationship after betrayal. We'll encourage you with hope for healing and transformation. Connection, empathy, growth, choosing to stay. Hallie and I would love to share with you opportunities to support you in your healing and recovery. These opportunities are open for registration at chooserecoveryservices.com. In October is Healing Hearts course for couples. This is a really great opportunity for couples in early recovery to learn relational skills and lots of education on healing and recovery. Some of the other outside resources that I offer through Choose Recovery Services, I have a Help Her Heal 12-week course for men who are working to reestablish trust and rebuild safety, develop empathy skills and shame resiliency. My next round is starting soon. If you want to jump in or put your name on a wait list for the next time I start, We also just recently started a betrayal trauma group for male partners. So if you're a male partner who is experiencing betrayal trauma, please don't try to walk this journey alone, but reach out and get in our support group. I also offer a free webinar on the second Sunday of every month for couples called Choosing to Stay After Infidelity and Betrayal. It's an open Q&A. I usually share a few recovery topics and then leave it open for discussion. So Please join us, check our show notes for information to register and get involved in those other options that we provide. We are excited again to include our colleague and friend Luke Gordon with us today. He's always so gracious to come talk to us and we're glad to have you back. Thanks for taking the time again to come and be with us. Thank you for letting me come back. I'm just glad that I got invited. Well, the reason we invited you here today is because we're doing a series on disclosures and we want to talk a little bit about what the whole process of disclosures are, what it's like from the professional standpoint to help prepare clients and just give people an inside look at what the benefits are of having a formal disclosure. So Luke, can we ask you what's the definition of a formal disclosure and For people that this might be new to, even though it's becoming more and more common in this arena, I still run into clients that haven't heard about what a formal disclosure is. So would you mind just kind of giving a brief description of that? Yeah. So formal disclosure is just that. It's a systematic, thorough process for truth to be delivered from the person who did the betraying to the person that's been betrayed with professionals involved. So it's systematic. Like if you come choose recovery services and you want a full disclosure, It's facilitated by therapists and coaches that have been certified. And typically, one of the easiest ways to describe a formal disclosure is what a formal disclosure isn't, which is when usually either person in that relationship says, enough's enough, I need truth, or or he goes, I don't want to hide anymore, and they throw up on the other person. They say, hey, here's my stuff. You know, they might feel like it's more formal because the person that did the betraying writes everything down on a piece of paper and they sit in their bedroom for 25 minutes to three hours and he shares everything that is not helpful for many different reasons. So a formal disclosure allows professionals to be able to facilitate the delivery of that information. I know I'll speak for myself. I thought if my wife knew the big things and then she could forgive me, we could just move on. And what I found out was just through what we call the dribble effect 
which is the continuing sharing of things like, oh, I forgot about that. Or, oh, I didn't know you'd actually want to know that. There's a ton of psychological harm and there can be further injuries done in that way. Anyway, so that's how I would describe it. Yeah. Let's speak a little bit about that the importance of having professional support. I have a a client that comes to mind that that happened to the kind of the dribble out effect or the trickle disclosure. And it is so painful to have those new things revealed. And it's going to be painful either way. But we had talked about a formal disclosure and then sometimes that just happens. And as I was supporting her the day after she had found out about it, I just kept going through my mind of how much better would this have been had it been prepared, had she been supported, had he been supported, and had they done this in a supported way. So can you speak a little bit to that? Like, why is it important to not just have that three-hour discussion on the bed where they just unload everything? Because usually it's a lifelong uh, journey of misbehavior, and it is usually impossible to be able to go through and deconstruct and decompartmentalize, take things out of the compartment by yourself and go, okay, here's the information that you need to know. Men don't know what their wives need to know. They're not going to, they're not supposed to. What they do is they show up to that experience and they say, I am tired of hurting somebody else. I'm tired of living a destructive life. I recognize the truth needs to come. And then they submit to a process of giving truth to their significant other. And the hardest part about it is working with couples where they are to this point in their journey and good for them. I'll speak directly to her saying, she's like, I can't do this anymore. I need truth. And she hears about full disclosure. She hears about these things. And she's like, I need the truth. Absolutely. You do need the truth. And let's help you get the truth. And he's in a spot where he's like, okay, I'm finally ready to give it to you. We as professionals sometimes have a hard time stepping into that experience and saying, okay, you guys are at this spot. Let's talk about what that will look like. And I want to empathize with those people that are at that place in their journey of why can't I just sit down on the bed and talk about it? I think we get it all out, but there's just so many things that can be delivered in hurtful ways that are going to further cause damage. I have something to add to that. You said something. So I feel like it's very valuable to highlight. And that is the partner. If the one who has acted out starts just releasing all this information, it really shuts down the partner's voice on what they need to hear. And a really huge part of healing for the partner is enabling that voice and empowerment of their choice and what they get to know. And so that is another thing that the formal disclosure provides for the partner is the partner gets a voice and this is what I need to know. This is what's going to promote me in healing. And so I just wanted to highlight that because when we have these leak disclosures or three hour conversation or reading a letter on the bed, the partner's voice is completely shut down. Maybe she didn't, or he, the partner did not need to know this certain point of details that are not promoting healing. So That was huge for me whenever you said that. I don't think we've taken anybody through the choose recovery service process and had either one say, I wish we wouldn't have done that. If anything, they've been been advocates for it and they could not see that on the front. Why would I sit through, excuse me, him? He could not see why that was going to be beneficial. And the way that people go about 
describing things and sharing information on their own, it can be destructive. Oh, I can think about a recent client. He did that thing where he was caught and then he was caught with partial information and he decided to pull everything else out. And so that's what he did. He grabbed a piece of paper. She said, I need to know everything. He wrote it all down. He emailed it to her. And he's like, he just, lack of better word, crossed his fingers. Like, I hope she can forgive me for this. And I just need time to go by. And if enough time goes by, and she was still writhing in pain, so much pain. And she kept asking questions. And he's like, why is she asking questions? She knows the big things. She knows the big things. And she kept hitting him with follow-up questions, like again and again. And they would just, for months, months go through this. And he's like, I just don't understand. You know everything. And she kept asking questions, the, the little details that weren't even actually little. He thought they were little, but I'm like, those are huge. Those are game changers. And because you thought you got out the big stuff, you thought you were good. Not good as in your marriage is going to make it, but good as she knows what she needs to know. He doesn't, he's not going to know that. And so finally they got to a place in their relationship where she's like, I just don't understand how I don't feel like I have the truth. And he was at a loss. He's like, I don't, I don't know what else to say. I've given you everything. And she actually got three sheets of paper out one day and he watched her do this, got three sheets of paper out, put them side by side and created a timeline and taped these three pieces of paper together. So they were long. And, and then what she did is she created a timeline and she started to put on this timeline, like first baby was born, first promotion, you know, moved to this state and wrote all these things out that were, he's like, wow, those are really good things. And then she started to put first time caught him with porn, second time caught him with porn, first time he cheated on me. And he's like, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? Like, this is the information I already told you. And, and it was so important for her to be able to wrap her brain around that behavior in that order for her to be able to move past it. So much love for this couple, so much love for them of trying so hard on their own to get truth. Because I believe it, he wasn't trying to hide things, but he didn't see value in answering our questions either. Yeah, I think that's a really good point to think about and talk about is what do the betrayed partners need to know? And I think that's one of the other reasons why it's important for a betrayed partner to have support. Because sometimes when we've gone through questions with a betrayed partner, they really think they want to know something. And as we process through it, is this a want to know or a need to know? And is this question going to be, if you get the answer to this, is it going to be helpful or hurtful? And really processing through them can help them vet through the questions that are actually going to cause more damage in the future. And, and when I think of more damage in the future, I think of little details about specifics that are going to cause triggers down the road for a long time. And so for the betrayed partner to really have somebody to bounce those questions off and go, okay, is this a want to know or a need to know? And I think that it's like Stephanie said, the, the betrayed partner's voice needs to be heard and she needs to have a choice in what she knows and what she decides she doesn't need to know. I have a male client right now who we were talking about this and he goes, I think I told her too much early on. Mm -hmm. And that happens. Sometimes, you know, too many details. That's another reason why it's good to have support around, okay, is this going to be hurtful or helpful in the future? I love that you say that. Yeah. And that happens all the time. 
It's just yeah. like, okay, fine. Uh, I'll give you everything. Here's all the things. And then they explode with a bunch of stuff that is actually hurtful. That concept, I love it. I don't know where you got that from, Ali, but I've heard that before, the want to know versus the need to know. And that's what I tell the men. Hey, yourself to a grounded place where whatever she is asking you, you give to her. You know, whatever questions she says, this is the information I'm looking for, give it to her. And then and then that's my plea with the spouses, just really understand what you what you need to know versus what you want to know. And that's where I'm like, for the men that are pushed back against full disclosures, I'm like, you don't understand. Somebody like Hallie and Stephanie are sitting there waiting for your spouse to walk them through the difference between want to know and need to know. You can't explain that to your spouse. You know, can you imagine having the conversation with her? Like, I don't know. I think that's a, I think that's a want to know. I don't think that's a need to know. I was going to go horrible, but she absolutely needs to have a conversation. It's not with you. It's with somebody like these two ladies. And, and a lot of times I, I didn't want my wife to meet with somebody because I was afraid they weren't going to be an advocate for the marriage. And I was like, they're just going to be somebody that's going to be tearing our marriage down. There's people out there, especially you two that are advocates for the marriage that are going into a disclosure saying that we want the relationship to work out. This isn't like, let's catch them. I love that we were talking about this because I see it often with my clients and the one who's acted out, there's some pushback from it. And their initial pushback is, well, she knows everything. My partner knows everything. I've told her everything. And so it's like, why would I put myself back through this whole process of, well, I've, some of the verbiage they use is like digging up my past. Let's don't dig up the past. We're moving forward now. So can you touch on that a little bit or maybe experiences that you've had and how the one who's acted out or the one who's going to be disclosing information kind of overcomes that hurdle and gets like the motivation to say, yes, this is what we need to do moving forward. Yeah, I feel super passionate about that. The men that say, let's not dig up the past. That's where the healing is. Mm -hmm. That's where the healing is, is digging up, understanding why the behavior occurred. There are two reasons for a full disclosure that I see, like two main reasons. One, so she can get the truth, so she can know what to do from here. She can know the situation in which she is in and what action she needs to take. And I'm not saying action like, do I divorce him or do I stay? Action is like today, what, what do I, what am I not aware of? But for him, I sit with these men and it's once they understand this concept, like your behavior paints a picture for what you were missing in your life, what you needed to survive your experience. Like, let's get in the weeds. Let's get in the details. And there's actually a really, really beautiful thing that happens when a guy's willing to look at those things that he was hidden for so long and finding a relationship with himself again, finding self-love, finding self-compassion, finding worth, finding his identity. And every time he goes to, let's not dig up the past, that's just a version of, I don't like myself. I'm not worthy. I don't know who I am. And I'm like, there is no healing until you understand the content that's in there and you can find yourself in that. And, you know, it's a concept that got layers, you know, it's going to take a while just because we sit here on a podcast and explain that concept doesn't mean somebody's going to go, oh, they actually have to get in the weeds to, to really understand that. Yeah, I think maybe this is a good time to talk about the length of a preparation for a disclosure, because especially for a partner who's in pain and wants the truth, like yesterday, the preparation of this doesn't happen overnight and it can take, you know, it can take a few weeks or a few months. And so that waiting period is excruciating at times for a betrayed partner. 
as she's waiting for this. So what are your thoughts about that, Luke, and the importance of taking the right amount of time to be fully prepared? Oh, it's just horrible. This is horrible having to wait longer for truth. And like, I mean, y'all are nodding for a reason. People come to us and they say, okay, let's, I want a full disclosure. And we go, okay, let's talk through the process of a full disclosure, what it takes to get truth. And I'll sit down with a man and we'll go through his history, his actual history. And we don't do that in a session. We don't do that in two sessions. We don't do that in three sessions. There is an extensive period of time. And I say extensive to maybe set the bar a little bit lower, you know, where you got two or three months worth of work to do to really be able to deliver the truth in a useful way. And along with the truth comes with the stuff that you all were talking about, which was she's going to share what she wants to know, excuse me, what she needs to know. And that's going to be built into that disclosure. So it's not quick. You know, Choose Recovery Services does offer an intensive type of an experience where, you know, you can come in for an intensive and we can do a disclosure in a couple days, two, three days. It's it's not preferred by me because it tends to, there's a lot that has to be uncovered in a very short period of time. But yeah, it takes a little while. I don't know. What am I missing on this, ladies? I think just the validation, and you did validate the excruciating pain of the weight in the process, especially for the betrayed partner. But I just wanted to make sure that we brought that up so that people kind of know what to expect if they decide that they want one of these as much as we would like to make it quick too. Like you said, it can be done in a short amount of time, but it's not ideal. And it doesn't, in my opinion, especially if you have a partner, a betrayed partner, who's in a lot of pain, we want to help them develop some skills and tools to be able to receive the information. And that doesn't happen overnight either. We need to give some time for them to work on their own emotional regulation and really vetting those questions about the want to know and the need to know. And so it is just a a longer process than anybody would want it to be, as is this whole process of healing after betrayal. I want the audience to just know that it's something you kind of need to buckle your seatbelt in for. And it's worth giving yourself the time to do a, a thorough job of preparing both, both partners. It's worth the wait to have it done in a supported way. It seems to me that often why the waiting isn't wanting to happen, which is, oh my gosh, he's ready to disclose. Let's capitalize on this moment. You know, I, I'm afraid I might miss it. Or it's just that trauma response to like, just give me the pain, just give it to me. And when you experience a full disclosure, both people are, are mostly grounded throughout that experience. I mean, we sit in a space all together and there is a disclosure statement that's given and there is a ton of, hey, let's take a break. Let's ground. Hey, how are you doing? You know, what questions does this bring up for you? So it's a grounded experience. Nothing like you've ever experienced before if you're used to just somebody being caught or some type of uh, somebody found out. It's a way different experience. So my point to saying that was usually when we meet with a couple and we say, let's talk about the why and, and she's able to see, okay, I have a committed partner to this process that anxiety can come down. It's like, okay, I don't like it, but I can feel a little bit more ease now. I was just thinking as you were describing it, Luke, like on the day of disclosure, Maybe we assume that people know what that looks like, but maybe they don't, you know, 
But like on the day of disclosure, what is that like for both partners? I know from my end of supporting a betrayed spouse, I know what it's like from my end. And maybe I'll just share that first. And then you can talk about what it's like for you to support the the one that's preparing the disclosure. So first of all, I've really developed relationship of trust with the partner before we come into a disclosure. And I know her well, and we've worked on some grounding techniques and we've vetted the questions. And so I have a really good idea of what she wants and what she needs. And I meet with her before the spouse comes in with their coach or therapist and help her just get ready. See if she has any last things, it's not uncommon to do like a breathing grounding exercise and, and really help her get prepared to hear it. And then during the process, if she starts to get elevated or she's triggered by something that she just hears, we take a break for a minute and say, do you, you know, I'm watching her to see if she needs a break to help her kind of determine if she needs a break. And if she needs a break, we just simply pause for a minute and ask the spouse and the coach or therapist to give us a few minutes and they leave the room while we work, while we talk through whatever's coming up for her, help her get grounded again. And then we invite them to come back in and continue. And it really is, I think of it as like a sacred work to be able to support a couple through this really vulnerable and important work in their relationship. But what is it like for you from supporting the, the addict or the person that's preparing the disclosure, like on the day of, on the day of a lot of self-care, a lot of, Hey, sleep, right. Eat, right. You know, ground with other men, talk to other men, the ones that have done this before. And then they come into that experience and there is a lot of me checking in with them going, Hey, how are you doing? What's going on with you? Why are you doing this? And then through that experience, you know, watching him when we sit in there, like I've done a full disclosure with Hallie before and her responsibility is her person. My responsibility is my, my client. And so our focus is on that person the whole entire time to make sure they're grounded. So when we sit in that room with them, I will be staring at my client the whole entire time. Like I'll be looking right at him and Hallie does the same thing. And the thing, the reason I think it's funny is because it almost looks a little bit creepy because you're just staring, you're not even acknowledging anybody but that person. So you can make sure they stay grounded because they are his responsibility is to hold space for her, you know, continue to make eye contact as he goes through the document. So it's really cool to just put that much care and attention to the person that's put that much effort into it. So that whole experience is about making sure he stays grounded. So those breaks between, you know, when I start seeing him escalated or elevated, we can say we can slow it down and stay attuned to whatever she needs for that experience. Yeah. Yeah. It really is a, a cool experience for them to create that environment of safety for the betrayed partner to get the truth in that supported way. Yeah. Okay. I feel like we may have to backtrack a little bit, but this is about the process and the process of creating the timeline and the document and all the time between we have the day of disclosure. So I'm asking this for my partners because this is something that comes up so often and we usually spend a lot of time working through it. So this can be before they have committed to doing the formal disclosure or like in the beginning. And one of their questions that they have is, or their concerns is, I'm afraid that he won't remember. Like there's so many things that happen or has happened 
what if those things are so hidden or um, so far out of his um, reach that he cannot access them? And so there's this fear of, can he remember? So what does that look like from your professional, like whenever you as a professional are working with the one who's disclosing, getting that information, helping him to recollect events. I want to reassure my partners that this is a very in-depth process where you as a coach are working with them so that the the compartments can be opened. So can you discuss that a little bit? Yeah, let me let me attempt the sum up at the very end with the reassurance. The thing that we tie everything off with is a polygraph at the very end. There's a polygrapher that's involved that goes through their own questions. And it's not like a polygraph like CSI, like or law and order, you know, with a light bulb over the head. It's ran by a therapist that it creates a space for the person that they're betraying to create safety because the goal is to pass a polygraph. Okay. That is the goal for this experience is that these people get to leave knowing that there's truth in hand. So I have a lot of these men that will walk in going, I don't even know what I'm going to be talking about. That by the way, this is like at the very start of the journey and I want to give truth. I just don't know how to give truth, which means they have the same fear that they, their partner does, which is, I don't know if we'll be able to untuck everything from the crevices of my brain to give you, if I have to share everything, not just the big stuff. It seems to me that the people we've taken through don't feel that way when it's over through the polygraphs, through the extensive history, through the questions we have lined up, everything that a partner goes at the end of the day goes, I feel like I have truth. I may not like the truth. I don't know what I'm going to do with the truth. I have truth. So that's our experience in general. And so I have to kind of keep that generalized because they're, you're right. There's a million things that somebody does in their life that we could talk about, but that's the feeling people are left with when they leave full disclosure. Yeah, I think that's so good, the reassurance. And that's what I always discuss with my partners is that this is a very in-depth process. We have worked with partners before, spouses who are disclosing, and we know how to help them access those areas of their brain. And so I appreciate you touching on that because I think that's a big fear for partners. It's like, will I even get what I need? Or is there going to be things left out? And so that's great. Thank you. Yep. One more comment on that you made me think about that polygraph at the end isn't the part or polygraph during the process isn't like hey did we catch you what it is is it's a that document that was delivered has truth in it and that is the truth so the, the polygraph does two different things it makes a guy go this is real i've got to put i've got some skin in the game this is scary okay i'm going to go through the process of getting truth i'm going to do everything i can to do it and then the partner can go, oh, okay, all right. I feel like that if we have some technology involved here and we have a professional that's involved with truth, I can trust this a little bit more, which really just allows both people to trust themselves. It's pretty dang cool. It allows him to go, okay, I, if I can dig into this, I can really figure out what my truth is. And she goes, okay, I really can trust myself that I can sit here in this disclosure and go, what I'm hearing is truth or they can trust themselves again. Yeah. On the topic of polygraph. Well, two things that as you were talking last week, when Stephanie and Josh shared their experience in our episode, Josh used a term that I loved. He said, it lays the foundation for ongoing disclosure and opens up the door for continued truth to always be given, whether it's things that he might remember that he hadn't recollected in 
the process. Cause like you said, there's a million things that could come up and then also going forward, if there's new information that comes up, it just lays this foundation of honesty and continued disclosure going forward in their relationship, which I think is amazing. That's so good. He also talked about how valuable it is to be known and to be seen fully by his spouse and the level of intimacy that that creates. And man, that's a beautiful thing. I wish we, we talked about this last week, but I wish this was part of like the premarital process that we all just like laid everything out there. So we were more fully known before we were married and, and then jumped in and learned things later, but on the topic of polygraph. So in our interview with Stephanie and Josh, they didn't have a polygraph. And Stephanie was comfortable with that. So can you speak to that a little bit about when a polygraph is appropriate and maybe the times that it's not needed? Yeah, I feel like I want to jump into like 20 questions, 21 questions with with Stephanie, which is cool. Good for you. How did you come to that conclusion? That's like immediately where my brain went. And yeah, we we create a polygraph so there can be a greater level of safety there. But a lot of women that's really cool is that they go, no, I'm good. Let me hear the truth. And, and I... I can know that. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with the women that don't need the polygraph, but there's thinking's wrong with them that Stephanie says, Hey, I'm good without one. Yeah. It's just a tool that you can use in your arsenal to be able to find truth. It may be needed. It might not. And then either is okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You'll have to go back and listen to our episode about Stephanie last week. It's a, maybe you should just reiterate it quickly, Stephanie, why you decided not to request a polygraph. I will. So, and I always, I like to decipher my personal choice versus the professional opinion. (laughs) My professional opinion is it's always the partner's choice. If the partner feels like they need this as just like you said, Luke, like an additional tool. Oh, well, this really helps me know that I've gotten the truth or whatever their reasoning is. So I think it's always up to the partner. Is this something that I need? Will it help me in my healing? My personal opinion and what I chose to do is not to have the polygraph because one of the areas that I struggled most with was being able to trust myself. Mm. So even during the time of disclosure, I was struggling with, can I look back in times of my life and see that my intuition was right or those kind of things. So for me, it was very personal. It wasn't even really related to my spouse. It was a piece of identity and healing for me to be able to hear truth, know that I've heard truth and be able to base that on what I'm also seeing in his life, our recovery, those kind of things. So that's very short (laughs) answer to what it was really personal in the sense of empowering me as a person to trust myself again. Yeah. And we trust our clients so much in this process. It was so cool to hear you say, Stephanie, we know for the women, the people who have been traded, we know when we work them, they, we know that they know what's best for them. And we're not going to push back and say, no, there's a process. You know, I met with a woman the other day and she's like, yeah, full disclosure and something I need in my journey. I'm like, I respect that. You know, we're not here to say this is a one size fits all type of situation. Obviously truth is paramount, but how you get truth, we're going to talk through that and, and you're going to know what's best for you. Yeah. I had a client who was like about ready to start the disclosure process and actually had met with their support people and were ready to get going. And then she said, you know what? I actually don't think I need this. I think I have what I need to know. And it's kind of like that with Stephanie, like that's a piece of trusting myself and, 
And I think that also gives credit to the husband who was doing all the work and was creating safety and answering any questions that she needed. But yeah, we trust our clients to know what's best for them. And then we support them in whatever they feel like is, is best. What makes me really nervous is when the person that betrayed weighs in on that stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, let me tell you how I think about a full disclosure. Let me share with you. And they can do it in such a, an abusive way, such a manipulative way, such a look kind of seems like kind. And I would just urge you that if you're the person that's been betrayed, just, this is your choice. This is your decision. And, you you know, consult with a professional on it, but people that are untrained, just be careful with what they think about full disclosures, especially Mm -hmm. the person that's saying, you know, that's the did that hurt you on what they think or what they believe. Uh, That part makes me nervous when. Agreed. Yeah. So what would you say is, are that the positive outcomes of a good, solid disclosure? What are the benefits? Okay. The good, solid benefits are a ways after the full disclosure, not immediately when people have kind of come down from the experience. So I'd love to say when full disclosures are over, then everything, everybody's just hugging, which that does happen, by the way. That actually does happen. It's often surprising how quickly she will go through that information and turn around. The first thing she wants to do is hug her spouse and just say, thank you, thank you, thank you for truth. I've been waiting my entire marriage for truth. I feel emotional even saying that. Um, that doesn't always happen. It doesn't need to happen for sure. But the positive outcome come later is just like you were talking about, Stephanie, with your husband, which is now we have the ability to talk about real and we know we can do it. Yeah. Because this, this isn't disclosure like, okay, now I've got all my dirty stuff out there. Now I'm just going to make perfect decisions from here on out. That's not the way that it works. Yeah. Now it's just two people that learn to trust themselves again and learn to love themselves again to go, stuff's going to happen, you know, hopefully not heavy like we've been through, but we can talk about the hard. I can face truth. I can give you truth. So it's just a template for the future. of, And so those conversations feel more possible. And the guy that I just talked to most recently about doing his full disclosure, he said, I, I didn't even know I was stuck in my journey. I didn't even know that there were certain parts about myself that needed healing. So just another level of healing can happen and it just feels rich. That wasn't very descriptive, but there was my attempt to tell you. Stephanie, anything you would add to that, like the benefits and outcomes of a good solid disclosure? My husband and I both agree that one of the greatest benefits, and this is for us, but also see it with the ones that have gone through full disclosure is there is a realistic view of themselves or what their behavior has maybe like the outcome of their behavior choices, not in the sense of like shaming realistic, but like now I can see it's very clear. There's no foggy lines of who I had become due to my behavior or what my behavior had promoted me into making these choices. So very realistic view, which helps us all come out of denial and move through the stages of healing, of acceptance, and those kind of things. So I would say one of the biggest benefits is acceptance of reality. 
I have a, um, another question. And the question is, is it ever too late? Because I have recently two clients where, well, one of them, the wife had an affair like 17 years ago. And the other one is the husband had an affair like eight years ago. And neither of them ever went through this disclosure process. They didn't, one of them didn't get a lot of support early on. Actually, the, the husband that was betrayed actually did get some not healthy advice from a therapist that he just didn't have the right tools and information to be sensitive to betrayal trauma 17 years ago. And now it's coming up again because it was never really like processed through. And so is it ever too late, Luke, to go back and do the formal disclosure process? What's your thoughts on that? I don't know. Like, is it, does the question come from it's been 17 years or is it now because I'm 78 years old and I only have a few, you know, some time left to live because either one's forgive me for being so straight there. That's absurd. Like we all deserve healing. We all deserve peace. You know, uh, even if you're 78 years old or it's been 18 years, it doesn't matter. Those things buried alive never die. And we are worth as individuals to have that peace. We are worth as individuals to, to understand what happened to us and to understand how it impacted other people. But there's some really cool, beautiful things that happen with the men and women that we work with where they tackle family of origin stuff, stuff that happened decades a year, that they're now in tears in our office spaces. And there is healing that happens. And I would never want to say, because that happened decades earlier, that it's just too late to get that peace and that healing. I would never say that. So some reason that comes up in our brain, and I'm so glad you bring this up, Hallie. Some reason it just feels like, for me, what it felt like is it's so embarrassing that I haven't got to this yet. Like, so is it worth it? Can I deal with the emotions that come up? Cause this has been so long. And once I move out of that shame, I'm like, I'm absolutely worth getting healing and peace over. And so is, and I want to give that to somebody else too. Yeah. That's what my thought is, is kind of like what you said, whatever's buried alive never dies. And there's a reason why it's coming back up now that it hasn't ever fully been healed. And so the opportunity to go back and create that healing for them and you know, if there's been this kind of riff in their relationship for so long that at least one partner has felt resentful around and, you know, the person that, that had the affair is like, okay, good. They're just not going to talk about it. We can just move on, but that it's not that easy. And we're not able to just always do that. And so the fact that it's coming up 17 years later, in my opinion, is it's worth going back and looking at it. And if the partners or the spouse is willing and she is, I think that says a lot that you can, you can go back and, and create some healing that maybe you skipped over a little bit by not really digging into it. And you were hoping that it would just go away, but it hasn't. And so if it hasn't gone away, maybe that's an indicator that it would be worth going back and really just going through this process and getting some support around it. I remember me with a client the other day and it was so cool in the process of visit disclosure, there's a, there's a section of the disclosure called fa the fantasy part. Cause we break behaviors down into sections and with fantasy, you know, this whole time he's like, you know, so scared to talk about his sexual experiences and have that beat down on paper and share it with the spouse. But the coolest stuff came up and it has to do with stuff like 17, 20, 30 years ago was he recognized fantasy came up for him in his life. And he was able to untie it in a family of origin experience. They even fantasy 
played such a power, held so much power for him was as a child, he didn't like his life. He felt trapped. He felt, he, he just felt like a person that was in prison. So fantasy existed in the very beginning for him because he pretended all the time as a child and he pretended. And the reason he pretended like he did was to escape his reality. And that came up through fantasy. Like, why do you fantasize so much? What's the purpose? What's behind it? And what it came back to was family of origin. I, the reason fantasy existed is so I could escape my reality. And very appropriate in his childhood years, very destructive in his adult years, because he didn't need to just, he didn't need to escape his reality, but because of part of the neuro neural pathways inside his brain. And I just love that because there's healing that where that he needed and that is decades later and it's never too late. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about one of the biggest misconceptions about disclosures. And we hear this a lot from the ones that are preparing the disclosure with the sexual integrity issues. And that is if my partner knows everything about me, if my partner knows the truth, they won't love me anymore. They won't want to stay in this relationship. So with your experience, what do you see? Is that the truth? It's the exact opposite. The reason why my marriage is in jeopardy is because I don't allow my partner to see me. So the very fact of letting my partner see me, all of me, is the only chance I have for this relationship to make it. And does not make logical sense if you've been hiding your entire life. Does not make sense at all. And yes, there is risk there by letting somebody see you. But that's our world. That's life. That's intimacy, right? So usually spouses on the other side go, thank you. That's the hugs we were talking about earlier. Thank you for letting me see you. Should a hug take place? I don't know. You just got done telling her all the things that should hurt her. Why is she hugging you? It's because finally she's getting truth. Mm -hmm. Now she'd see you. And these men that learn how to be loved and felt and seen, that's pretty, that's a, that's, that's a new type of an addiction that is actually pretty dang healthy. So. I think too, with our, when I talk to my betrayed partners and I tell this to the guys in my helper hero class and the men that I work with who are working to rebuild trust is that most women that I've worked with can handle the acting out. Like they can work through and process through the acting out. What they can't handle is the lies and the manipulation and living that life of not knowing what's real. And so I think that that is probably one of the best things to remember is that I guess that old cliche line of the truth will set you free is it's, it's real. Like it's actually, it's real. It's real. Yeah. So this has been beautiful and I feel like our listeners got some really valuable information about formal disclosures, how they could help in their healing process. And also just by learning this, I'm sure our listeners would be able to make some sort of choice moving forward. Like this is something I, I feel like I may need towards my healing. And I always say that with full disclosures, there's so much that we could talk about. Like, I feel like we could have just have like a whole podcast on full disclosures or any of the healing topics that we talk about. So I really appreciate your time, Luke, and coming and sharing your professional viewpoint on this and helping our listeners to understand and have better clarity around what formal disclosures are. Thank you for allowing me to be here. And thanks for all the work that you both do. Thank you for listening to the Choosing to Stay podcast. If you have enjoyed this show, we invite you to subscribe, share, and leave us a review. 
Connection, empathy, and growth. Choosing to stay.